Hey, this is Olympic champion Scott Hamilton, the real Scott Hamilton, reminding you to listen to the other Scott Hamilton show every day right here on ESPN Charleston because he's nearly as smart as the real Scott Hamilton, just not as good looking. A&M at Alabama. I've had it on my – I didn't even need to have it on my calendar. I take it back. I did not have it in my calendar. I had it in my mental calendar. October 8th. I, I, that date stuck with me. October 8th, A&M at Alabama. October 8th, Saban versus Jimbo. October 8th, the final showdown or however you want to hype it up. Biggest story of the offseason. Definitely the biggest story of the offseason in the SEC and I'll put it as the biggest off story, biggest offseason story in college football, side by side with USC UCLA going from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. But really, this game is inconsequential now. At least, I mean, game day is not even there. Game day is in Lords, Kansas. It's not even going to be propped up in Tuscaloosa. I'm just, I'm, I feel kind of bummed out. I feel like the football gods said, okay, we gave you this wonderful offseason narrative to help you provide provide you with hours of content, just juicy content during the offseason. But we can't spoil you. This game's not going to be great. And indeed, Alabama favored by 24 points. How did we get to this point? The Saskar guest covers all things Texas A&M for texags.com. Olin McCannon, welcome back. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I, I am well. And Olin, the last time that you and I talked, I want to say you were catching an early flight. You were in between flights. You were getting off a flight. You were very frazzled coming out of spring meetings, SEC spring meetings, man. So uh, I hear a little pep in your step today. It's good to hear that. Yeah, I got a little more time. And uh, the answer to your rhetorical question there, I guess, was that, uh, you know, the football gods did uh, uh, offer a, a great uh, opportunity, and A&M season thus far has been blasphemy. So uh, that is why it's not. <laughs> that is why it's not. Uh, you know, the the, the the center of the college football universe this week uh, because A&M has not lived up to its end of the bargain. What's the temperature out there? I mean, not literally, but amongst the fan base. I mean, they've got to be twisting. Uh, there is uh, equal parts uh, disappointment, frustration, and uh, anger. All those things uh, played into it because, uh, you know, quite frankly, A&M's talent uh, is better than the, uh, th- than the, the scheme uh, that we're seeing. And, uh, you know, everyone – if you're following it at all, you know that A&M's uh, offense has really been a, a major problem this year. They've, uh, you know, going back, and as it was last year, going back in A&M's last 17 games, they've scored, uh, I think it's 24 points or less in 10 of them. And, you know, some of those teams that they've scored in excess of, you know, 24 points have been teams like, you know, Prairie View, New Mexico, uh, Kent State, you know, teams like that, even though they did have 41 last year when they upset Alabama. So there's a lot of angst and um, questions about Jimbo Fisher and his offense. And if he's doing what is best uh, for the program uh, offensively, or is he just doing 
what's best for Jimbo Fisher's ego offensively. I'm looking at a stat now. A&M's averaging 56.3 plays per game. That's, that is shocking given this day and age. And you look at a team like Ole Miss that I want to say is averaging, I think their goal's 100 a game. If not, it's close to that. How do you how do you explain that? I mean, do you lay that entirely at the feet of ineffective quarterback play? Do you lay it at the feet of of maybe Jimbo drawing up offenses that are too complicated? I, what's the reasoning for that? Uh, well, all right. First of all, let's say it's not just on offense because Anim is one of the worst in the country on, uh, defensively on uh, third down conversions. Teams are picking up third down left and right, and you, and, and you kind of scratch your head. I mean, Appalachian State, they couldn't get Appalachian State off the field on third down. So uh, when you look at their only average of 58 plays, some of that goes uh, over to D.J. Durkin and his defense and some of the play calling. They've been much too uh, – uh, passive, I think. You know, this has not been an attacking defense at all, and and you're wondering why with the way they've recruited, uh, especially the defensive line. That said, uh, yeah, bad quarterback play it has has uh, contributed to that. Uh, uh, I would say to be a nice word, inconsistent offensive line play has contributed to that. And then, uh, yeah, uh, you have to look at the scheme and the play calling and wonder what's going on. Now, Jimbo will tell you that the problem is not with his scheme and it's not with his offense. It's because the plays are there, but the players aren't executing them. And so that's the problem execution. But when you get six, you know, coming up on the sixth uh, game, you know, so you should be at mid season form. Um, if the players still aren't consistently executing and you're leaving as they say, plays and uh, all you know out there on the field and taking points off the board. At some point, you have to wonder, well, why aren't they executing it? Why is it taking being such an issue to execute it? So uh, they'll just say, well, we got to coach them harder. I said, uh, okay, I, if they, maybe they will come to this uh, uh, revelation that the problem uh, is maybe the the. Uh, 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 the offense is too complicated, and if you have a bunch of guys that haven't been running this offense, but you only got 20 hours a week to, to to practice it, well, maybe you're expecting that there's going to be some problems. So, uh, you know, the theory here is maybe they need to just uh, go to an offense that's not quite, if, it, if it's as complicated as they say, you know, that's not as quite as complicated and, uh, you know, uh, streamline it a little bit. But uh, even if that does happen, it won't happen this year. You know, they're going to have to bring in another offensive uh, coordinator. But and that's going to be a, a big topic after the season. But as of today, uh, all they can do, if you're an A and M fan, is hope that they start executing and start making those plays that Jimbo tells us are there. Uh, and I thought Dana Holgerson was the only one in Texas playing the blame game. Apparently, uh, Jimbo's doing a pretty good job at it, too. We're joined by Olin Buchanan, texags.com. Follow him on Twitter at Olin Buchanan. Olin, I just looked it up. Army is averaging 65.3 plays a game. Seven, uh, No, uh, nearly 10 plays more than Texas A&M. That, that sums it up pretty well. Here, Here's a pretty blanket question, but I guess this is at the crux of the matter. I mean, Jimbo, year five of this time at Texas A&M, nine years to go on that monster 10-year extension he got last year. 
who who produces first, Jimbo with the wins or the boosters with the buyout money? Oh, uh, Jimbo with the wins because I mean, even at A and M and in Texas, where you know they've got plenty of money to spend, um, eighty one million dollars is too much of a buyout. Uh, you know, because then you got to pay him, you got to pay his uh, his. You know, because they got to, or maybe seventy two million now. It'll be uh, the second year, I guess. No, it's I can see I've already gotten confused. Either eighty one or seventy two million they'd have to pay because they gave him an extension last year and then raised his salary from seven and a half million to nine million to keep from LSU from hiring him. And they end up what spending even more than that from Brian Kelly. So but even for A and M, that's too much money to pay somebody to go away when you also gotta pay his uh assistants to go away and then you gotta bring in somebody who's gonna say, Wait a minute, you're paying my predecessor nine million dollars what makes you think you're going to get me on the cheap so uh jimbo's not on the hot seat by any means uh his job's not in jeopardy uh because a i think there's a lot of people that uh still have faith in him they love him as a motivator they love him as a recruiter they love him as a guy that can put together a game plan they just want to see him uh relinquish some play calling duties and bring in an offensive coordinator that might uh, update his offense a little bit and uh, do some of the things that are being done in college football successfully. Same way Nick Saban did and Kirby Smart has done. And, uh, you know, a lot of successful coaches have done. Hell, Ed Orgeron won a national championship by doing that. <laughs> if Ed Orgeron can win a national championship doing that, maybe you ought to follow that lead. Uh, and then, of course, like I said, the uh, the buyout's just too significant. So uh, he's not in any kind of any kind of trouble being replaced, none at all. Well, you see, and I think that might be the problem because who, who's his boss? It's not Ross Bjork. I mean, he has no fear of being fired. There are going to be no repercussions. He's going to do what he wants to do, how he wants to do it. It's not like Ross Bjork, the athletic director, can tell him, Jimbo, I need you to fire your staff, bring in a whole bunch of new guys, or I need you to have offensive coordinator. Jimbo could go tell him to pound sand, go on about his business. Well, maybe. Now, I don't know what all the – uh, nuances of the contract are, and I don't know if there's anything in there about so insubordination, right? Uh, I need to find that out, maybe do a FOI on that, but uh, what if there's a clause in there that says you could be fired for insubordination? And I don't know that there is, but what if there is? And then you're told, hey, you need to bring in an offense coordinator this. And he says, no, well, you know, maybe that's something. But, but once again, let me stress, they don't want to fire him right now. They want him to fix what's going on on offense uh, any way uh, it can be done. But they he still – I mean, his popularity is not what it was, but they still like him here because uh, for the reasons I mentioned. They still love him as a recruiter. They love him as a motivator. They love him as a guy that's going to uh, put together a really good game plan. They just can't execute it. So they need to find somebody that can come in and maybe uh, – uh, you know, give him some help because um, a lot of times the you know he's too busy yelling at the referee or at a quarterback uh, to call a play, and then he gets a play in, and he wants the quarterback to do this and the receivers to check this, and then what what, what kind of coverage is in? If they're in this coverage, they're supposed to do this, and then the lineman got to say, okay, uh, all right, let's get these blocking schemes together, and you get that play in uh, 15 seconds late. And they, now they got to instead of forty seconds, they got to do all this in twenty five seconds. And A and M's got to lead the the world in uh, in pre snap penalties, and I think that contributes to it too. 
pre-snap penalties, another hallmark of coaching. Uh, Olin Buchanan, just one more question, please. Uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but are, are we looking at Connor Wigman starting on Saturday? And can you tell us about Connor Wigman? Okay, uh, Connor Wigman, like a, you know, like a wig on your head. Um, I don't think he'll start this week. Uh, I think they're going to go with Haynes King. Uh, that's what I suspect. Uh, Jimbo's just saying Max Johnson's day day to day, but our sources are telling us that his uh, his thumb is a lot worse shape, maybe out several weeks. So I don't think you take the uh, the freshman quarterback, the true freshman, and uh, put him out there in his first game on the road against the number one team in the nation uh, and all the theatrics that have gone on in the offseason that lead up to this game. I think that'd probably be unfair to him. I would say, uh, depending on Haynes, how Haynes performs uh, against Alabama, uh, that I wouldn't be surprised if you played him the following game against South Carolina because – uh, first of all, South Carolina is not as challenging as Alabama. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, no disrespect, but, you know, it's pretty obvious. Uh, but you also have a uh, an open day. So you'd get an extra week to, to if you if you decided to even start him, you'd get an extra week to uh, to get him ready for that. And uh, it'd still be on the road, but, again, it gets a you know, team that's not the number one team in the country. So if we're going to see Connor Wigman uh, as a starter, I don't think it would be until uh, uh, until he plays South Carolina at the earliest. Now, maybe if things are going poorly, uh, maybe they'll put him in uh, late against Alabama and just see what happens. But I don't think there's. I'd be I'd be shocked uh, and speechless if 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 he started that game against Alabama. He's Olin Buchanan, TexAgs.com. Follow him on Twitter at Olin Buchanan. Olin, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, buddy. You're, you're not going to be bored with that beat. I'm telling you. <laughs> There's always something going on. Always something going on. <laughs> Give us a yell when you head this way, pal. All right. Thanks a lot, man. All righty. It's Olin Buchanan at TexAgs.com. That's a circus. I, he has no boss. And, and, again, Olin brings up a good point. Could there be clauses and so forth in his contract about insubordination? And I would hope so. But given the one-sided nature of that accord, given how it slants so severely in favor of Jimbo Fisher, I I would not raise an eyebrow even a hundredth of an inch if it's not in there. If it, there's no language at all that says, well, if the athletic director wants you to do this, you need to do this, blah, blah, blah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. It's probably actually not that big of a contract. Hey, we're going to pay you this uh, if you want to leave, no penalty. Uh, if we fire you, you get all of it. Uh, there's no offset if you take another job. Hey, peace. You want to coach? My God, what a one-sided deal. Jimbo, only Jimbo. Thought before the break. The last time Nick Saban lost to a team not ranked in the top 25 or top 15 at home, 2007, Louisiana Monroe, his first year as head coach, Alabama Crimson Tide. Probably ain't happening this week either. Scott Hamilton Show. Let me.